0: Hi Jackie. Hey Ramona. We had our first podcast record since we've started the podcast in person. I know that was
1: crazy to see someone IRL as the kids say.
0: <laughs> I know. <laughs> and we we drank wine. Oh my I know, god, I don't know if we're allowed to tell people that, but we drank wine. And With we slept Yes. And we drank wine with one of our favorite guests, a repeat guest here now for the third time on the podcast, Andrea Walsh,
1: who's our, one of our favorite OBGYNs. Absolutely. And super fun to sit and have wine and chats with about everything to do with our body. But on this one, we got down to the information that I've been dying to know and I think you're very curious about and I think a lot of women are HRT, hormone replacement therapy, which is a big question mark for a lot of women. There's a lot of myths surrounding it, a lot of misinformation. And I, for one, um, was very enlightened by the podcast. Also a little bit disappointed that um, HRT was an option for me and is still an option for me, but probably not for too much longer if I don't get on it. But I'm a little surprised it has never been recommended to me by any of the healthcare providers that I've gone to.
0: Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, And I think this subject has kind of been controversial just because, you know, on this podcast, we are always trying to find the most holistic ways to treat ourselves. But sometimes those things don't work. And there are a lot of women out there that are really suffering and have tried everything and their only option could possibly be HRT. So we thought it was really important to bring all that information to you so you can make that decision for yourself. And what we'll learn from Andrea is that it just because you're on HRT does not mean that it needs to be indefinitely. And yeah. I think that was really important to learn too. And in fact, they don't want you to be on it indefinitely and they actually want to try to help support you without it if they can but if yeah. if if it's a must at least let's educate ourselves
1: and there's also different kinds of hrt so i think that is also important to know that there is a more natural hrt option for women out there who are a little afraid to go with like a I guess like a synthetic HRT due to any underlying health conditions or past health conditions. So I feel like this episode is a real eye-opener and it's going to help a lot of women kind of try to come up with some options for themselves as they struggle through some of the, the worst symptoms of menopause.
0: Absolutely. So grab a glass of wine and have one with us as you listen to this podcast and enjoy Andrea Walsh. If you're looking for relief from menopause symptoms, knowing the pros and cons of hormone replacement
2: therapy can help you decide whether it's right for you. That's why we've invited our one of our favorite doctors with us today, Andrea Walsh. You guys probably remember her from a couple of episodes that we've had previously. And we really
1: wanted to talk about HRT, so welcome back. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And can I just say for the record that this is our very first podcast with a guest, IRL, as the kids say, in real life. We are all together. In a room in front of a mic with a glass of wine, and it feels so much better. It does.
2: <laughs> it's it's
1: kind of weird, isn't it? It is weird. I feel it like, feels
2: wrong. <laughs> I feel like, yeah. Even though we're all double-boxed, I feel like yeah. all
1: of a sudden I'm mic-shy. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> I like having my cheat sheet, so I still have my cheat sheet here, everybody. <laughs> That's okay. We still don't have video, so we're okay. <laughs> um, I find HRT really interesting um, because. I feel like we've learned a lot through the podcast, but HRT is definitely one thing. I know nothing. I still don't know anything about it. I don't think I get it at all. Yeah, and I, you know, we touched on it briefly with you,
2: Andrea, the last time you were with us. And for those who may have missed um, the episode, we'll definitely highlight it on our Facebook page again. But I think we want to just do a deeper dive for those people who really want to know more about what their options are. Um, so can we just start again, with what is HRT or hormone replacement therapy? Yeah. So hormone replacement therapy is basically an option for women who have undergone menopause uh, and are struggling with the symptoms of menopause. So again, menopause is when the ovaries are no longer producing estrogen and you have not had your period for 12 months um, straight. And, Some women start struggling with these symptoms prior to actually completing menopause, and some start struggling with them after they've completed menopause. So hormone replacement therapy is one of the options when women cannot really undergo their daily activities, and they're struggling getting out of bed in the morning, going to work and taking care of their kids, and doing all the things that they need to do. Okay. And that was going to be my next question was like, how do you know if you're a candidate for HRT? So basically if your menopausal symptoms are basically taking over your life and you can't function like you normally would, it's probably a good idea to think about this as an option. Right. So what I would suggest is first go to see your doctor and talk about the symptoms that you're having because we always like to throw out there that we want to make sure there isn't anything else going on, another medical condition in the background that needs to be ruled out and treated, um, and that it's not menopause that's causing these symptoms. So it's always very important to go see your physician and make sure that you get the appropriate workup and have a good discussion with them. Um, And during these discussions, going through, again, the symptoms, but then also, what your medical background is, what other medications you're taking, um, and seeing what risk factors you have and whether you are a good candidate for hormone replacement therapy is what should really happen during these discussions.
1: Right. That could be confusing because if I were someone going through perimenopause, like just looking back on my own experience when I really didn't know I was going through perimenopause, I don't know that until, like, listening to the She 2.0 podcast, I wouldn't know that anything that was happening with me was related to my hormones or perimenopause. I would probably consider it circumstantial. Like, oh, I'm stressed about work. I can't sleep because, whatever, I'm not exercising enough. The kids are driving me crazy. So I think that's really hard for women to figure out when they need to go see a doctor and get help because I think most of us like women I think we tend to think it's all in our head we're taught to think it's no big deals and like we certainly the way we treat menopause up until now is like it is what it is suck it up so why would we go seek help because if that's the advice we think we're going to get then most women just kind of suffer in silence so it's good to know that there are like red flags that you should be aware of. And also to know that, um, you know, your doctor has to look at other conditions instead of just putting you on HRT. Right.
2: Right. And, you know, kind of what you touched on, you know, it's important. Sometimes you start to have some new symptoms and you're not really sure what's happening, but then they go away in a few days, you know, that's Mm -hmm. not, really a big deal, but if you feel like the symptoms are persistent and not going away or getting worse, pressing, that's when you really should go see your doctor, especially when it's impacting your life. Yeah. Could you give an example of like a patient where there's been something like that where they've had really they've their this has really affected their day to day quality of life and mm-hmm. they've decided to go down this route. Mm-hmm. yeah so patients kind of what you mentioned not being able to sleep um, either because they are having insomnia or because they're having such bad night sweats that they're soaking wet having to get up and change their sheets and their clothing mm-hmm. um pajamas i should say you know in the middle of the night um and sometimes patients get a lot of anxiety related to that as well, which can also affect their sleeping. Um, then waking up tired then having the hot flashes. It's a lot all at once mm-hmm. and they just can't go about their daily right. life and they just feel miserable. The mood swings are also, yeah. you know, a big factor in that too. Feeling like they're either always ready to cry. They can't handle things at work. You know, a drop of a hat if someone saying any sort of critical comment to them, they want to get upset, Um, you know, those kind they don't feel like they can effectively go through their day, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're going to get into, like, what our different options are on, on different types of HRT, but, like, Mm -hmm. in general, how does it work? Like, how does it alleviate those symptoms? Is it a matter of just balancing the hormones out? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, you know, I want to throw in there as well that it is important for us to look at the conservative options as well before we jump to medications. For sure. Um, so, you know, we always talk about the usual stuff that we talk about in medicine, diet, exercise, mm-hmm. regular kind of sleep patterns, so even, you know, making sure that, you um, your sleep environment is a healthy environment. You know, the simple things first before right. we jump to medication. Absolutely. Um, when we talk about you know, vaginal dryness and all of that, using the moisturizers and mm-hmm. the lubricants first before we jump to hormones. You know, all of these little things first, lifestyle changes before we jump to medication. Um, but and then in, in terms of the medication itself. Um, you know we want to talk about um, what problems you're actually having okay so if you're feeling more like what we discussed the vasomotor symptoms then that's the hot flashes the night sweats mood swings the forgetfulness all of that stuff Um, then you need to have something that is what we call systemic or that's going to go through your whole body if your concern is more Pain with intercourse and vaginal dryness. Then we need we can just touch on that aspect without using something systemic, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like a cream right. or something, right? mm-hmm. like a, yeah. like an estrogen cream. cream. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And so when you're talking systemic, you're saying when you're ingesting like mm-hmm. a pill versus using something topically, like Jack was suggesting. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So and even like the top some of the topical agents. So you. For systemic agents, you can use pills, you can use sprays, you can use gels that absorb into the skin, but those Mm -hmm. are still considered systemic because they're being absorbed into your system, being metabolized and being used through your body. Mm -hmm. If you're using an intravaginal ring or cream or tablet inside the vagina, that is more isolated to vaginal treatment.
1: A spray nose spray? No, no, yeah. on my skin. Oh, yeah. what? You just spray? It? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can do that? Mm-hmm. And that helps with what? It it actually absorbs. Yeah. Oh, where mm-hmm. do you get these sprays? <laughs>
2: Uh, are they over the counter? <laughs> maybe that's only uh, available in the US. Maybe,
1: <laughs> maybe. I mean, your experience—it's yeah. important to note that, Andrea, you practice in the US, yes, but yes. you also, like, obviously, know so much about just. Mm-hmm. Vagina is at large, <laughs> or small ones or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's more relevant. To that <laughs> uh, I have a question because I uh, I'm postmenopausal yes. and. um uh, like the idea of HRT, I really want it. I want like to slap on a patch or something. Mm-hmm. Um because I have all like a lot of the symptoms. In mm-hmm. fact I don't actually think there's a menopause symptom I don't have. Mm-hmm. Um but like years ago and I only did like reading on it years ago because I wasn't I didn't think I was carrying puzzle, so I didn't really think it related to me, but there was a study done where they said that HRT postmenopausal can cause cancer. And then like all these women just like immediately went off their HRT. And I think that caused them a lot of serious issues. Mm -hmm. But then I read later that that study, I can't be technical on this because I can't remember, but the study was proven to be misleading, highly misleading.
2: Yeah. And this is where it gets very controversial because there have been many studies that have kind of said opposite findings. Mm But there are also specifics to what kind of hormone replacement therapy you're using, um, and they have found differences with that. So overall, if you're using combined hormone replacement therapy, and what I mean by that is estrogen and progesterone versus just estrogen, the findings were different within the studies. Okay. Okay. So yeah, let's maybe do a deeper dive into yeah. the different types of hormone replacement mm-hmm. therapy because there is a difference when you're talking about estrogen versus progesterone versus combined and and why are they different? Mm-hmm. Like why is does an estrogen-only therapy work better for some but maybe yeah. not progesterone for others? Can we touch on that a little bit? Sure, sure. So, um, well, first of all, We're basically trying to replace the hormones that are decreased in your body because of menopause, because your ovaries are no longer producing these hormones. What's very important is that you may not be a candidate for estrogen on its own if you have a uterus, okay? The reason being, estrogen on its own can increase the risk of endometrial cancer. Okay. So the reason that we give the progesterone is really not to treat any of the menopausal symptoms per se, but it's to protect the endometrial lining. Okay. So from what we call unopposed estrogen. Okay. Mm -hmm. But patients who have had a hysterectomy, they can take estrogen alone. Why would a patient need like a progesterone only HRT, or do those exist? We don't recommend that, actually. It hasn't been found to be effective. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, it's really just an estrogen based if you're Mm -hmm. without a uterus,
1: otherwise, it's a combination if you still have your uterus. Correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, okay, so when I was trying to get pregnant, Mm -hmm. um, I went on progesterone because I um, was miscarrying a lot. Mm -hmm. What does progesterone do? So, it supports the pregnancy. Right, okay. it makes it stick. But now, what does it do now that clearly I'm not getting knocked up again? What's it going to do? Like, am I going to get whiskers? I have whiskers. Am no, I no, get no. More? <laughs> so that, that would be testosterone. That would be oh,
2: testosterone. Okay. Yes, yeah. But the progesterone really, for in terms of HRT, is just protecting your lining. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's no actual benefit, which is why if you didn't have a uterus, we it would, would make just no give sense. you estrogen
1: only. Okay. Okay, I did read in a book that Ramona and I uh, had been reading a while ago called mm-hmm. Moody Bitches. And uh, <laughs> um, she's, is uh, she, she an OP guy from the U.S.? I yeah, I'll I include the so, yeah. link to her book. Yeah. But I thought, I have to go back to the book, but I did highlight this somewhere that she said you should also, um, when you're sort of trying to come to terms with what you're dealing with, you should mm-hmm. also check your um testosterone and when I went to my doctor I read this paragraph so I was an expert and I said I don't think I have enough testosterone lady I think that's the problem (laughs) she's like well do you want a mustache (laughs) yes and um like, wait a minute! But I read it in this book. Like, is do we have an element of testosterone mm-hmm. that we should when we lose that as well co- contributes to our? We have an element of testosterone,
2: um, but testosterone therapy has not been proven to be helpful. Okay. In study. so it's not FDA approved for hormone replacement therapy. Okay. okay. So you know. HRT is not suitable for everybody. As we know,
0: there are risk factors, and I do want to touch on that. Absolutely. Um, And
2: and I appreciated the fact that when we started this conversation, you said, you know, we talk to the patient and we try to figure out if there's other things that we can do outside of medication Mm -hmm. to help alleviate some of the symptoms. We often talk about other holistic therapies and alternative therapies in our podcast because, right. of course, a lot of people don't want to have to take hormones if they don't want to. And if there's a way to mitigate these symptoms without being on medication, great. But sometimes, as we've said, there are people who are suffering really badly, and this episode is for them. That you know, there are people out there that the only option is HRT. So, can we talk a little bit about the risks associated with HRT? Sure. So, first let me mention who would not be a candidate for HRT. So, patients who have breast cancer, um, have endometrial cancer, have undiagnosed abnormal vaginal bleeding, um, have liver disease, have had a history of a stroke um, or a heart attack, uh, or have uh, what we call thrombophilic disorder. So, um, they... Have a tendency to clot more than other people. So they have a risk of getting clots in their legs or their mm-hmm. lungs. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty big list so far. Yeah. Um, and okay, so, and that's basically because some of the risks associated with HRT happen to be blood clots. I have my list here. Mm-hmm. Some cancers, right? Mm-hmm. Heart and liver disease. Mm-hmm heart attack, um, and stroke. That's what I have so far. Correct. Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah. Good times. But I have like 26 <laughs> questions about this. First of all, blood clots. Yeah. Is the risk higher um, for blood clots and HRT than it is going on the pill? Yes. Okay. Question answer. Mm-hmm. I forget my other questions. So just to
2: point. touch on that, though. So – they found that
1: the risk of
2: blood clots increases with age. So, if you were okay. to take hormone replacement therapy within the first ten years of menopause, mm-hmm. your risk of blood clots is less than if you did it in the second ten years after. So, you're within the twenty years of after menopause, and it keeps increasing.
1: The older after. you get. Okay. So, if I'm like four, so it's like this seems like a generic question, but I'm four years post and even with all my symptoms my like my doctor has never recommended or even suggested HRT so I always felt that that was because um maybe I'm not a candidate or I don't know but am I can I look Mm -hmm. into HRT? Yeah so they've found as well that the Most
2: effective time is immediately after menopause to start
1: HRT, but it doesn't
2: mean that you can't later on.
1: Okay, but I wouldn't like given that I don't have any of the you know, yeah, Mm -hmm. I am probably okay
2: to look into Mm it. Yeah, it's interesting though, like that that wasn't an option that that was brought to your attention Mm -hmm.
0: at the time. But at the same time, I'd have to say that like having been put in menopause um, prophylactically, like I don't know if someone, I mean I'm not eligible at least
2: for the um, systematic Mm -hmm. HRT right now. But, um, if I was, I probably would have poo-pooed it at the time because I was just starting menopause and I would feel like I would need to ride out the s- symptoms and see how I yeah. do before I decide to do something as serious as in some And it's sometimes,
1: like, you don't even know that that's a symptom, right? Like, sometimes you might get a hot flash or a mood swing or whatever and you relate it to, like, immediately what's happening in your life, like, it's not like, like your brain automatically goes, "Oh, here we go. This is menopause."
2: Yeah, it so it's so tricky that,
1: like, like, <laughs> how do you figure
2: out like when's a good time to even like, yeah, like S- start start it? Like, if you're saying it should kind of start pretty early on. So often, so say if we were doing surgical intervention for a non-cancerous meaning not yeah braca yeah. Not breast cancer or ovarian cancer increased risk patient uh, we were doing hysterectomy on a 45 year old and decided to take her ovaries out because she has a lot of endometriosis or yeah. ovarian cysts and so we decided to do that at the same time we would often suggest a patch actually okay. usually is the best one that we do um, for to start like on the day post op and that's more to also help with the <laughs> the real um The abrupt. The abrupt. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for because that's what I experienced. It was like, you know, they removed my ovaries and then, Mm -hmm. wham, I'm in menopause. And it was kind of a whirlwind. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there was no options for me. At least nothing was brought to my attention, but I don't think I was able to because of my breast cancer history. Right. right. But you
1: mentioned like, sorry, Andrea, you mentioned um, certain kinds of cancer, Mm -hmm. but you didn't say all cancer. Correct. So so only estrogen receptive cancer. Which
2: is interesting because my cancer was an estrogen receptive. Receptive. Mm -hmm. So I think by choice, I think I've decided I don't want to take the risk of being on HRT. But I remember the last time we talked that perhaps I could have an option of a targeted type of HRT where you were talking about like the vaginal ring or something like that, because the one thing we talk about a lot in our podcast is, you know, the painful sex, which we're Mm -hmm. still trying all sorts of things, (laughs) Jack and I. Uh, But like, that's still one thing that I struggle with and nothing has helped so far. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And what I would suggest with that, which most of the know to do is that you would speak, to the patient's oncologist about their specific cancer, the specific situation, and discuss how bad your symptoms are. So everything has you know, this whole risk-benefit analysis. If yeah. you're suffering so much, you know there's some women that will say, it's worth the risk for me. Like, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm okay with taking that risk yeah. because I'm not living my life effectively. Right, right. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's really an independent situation even though we don't if we don't go at it first line with mm-hmm. giving vaginal estrogen with breast cancer patients mm-hmm. but um, but it's not like it's completely uh, not an option mm-hmm. as long as you can wait out all the risks have lots of discussions include the oncologist and make a decision
1: right mm-hmm. so um I was thinking about this, like, what, if I were to start an HRT patch, or just whatever, if I was to start HRT, what would I, like, how long does it take to kick in, and what would I notice? Um, So,
2: with any medication, it can take a week to two weeks to really get into your system and re-optimize what is going on, Um, but... Um, you will start to notice
1: your symptoms resolving. So one of the um, things that's going on with me, uh, which is probably like not menopausal specific, but high cortisol. Um, ever since I've had Maddie, like mm-hmm. my cortisol has been really high. I, I told you, Ramona, like I've tried an antidepressant. I'm on Zoloft now. But I don't find the Zoloft working anymore, so I want to get off of the Zoloft. Um, I tried microdosing. I use THC to sleep, and I'm just sort of feeling like I'm tired of trying all these things. Like, would HRT help with the cortisol? And uh, stress. Yeah, right? yeah.
2: I I don't know if I can effectively answer that question. Um, it would probably be good to have an endocrinologist involved in that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, because you would also want to do a workup on why your cortisol is elevated.
1: I have a feeling I don't want to know because <laughs> I think that wine may be blamed. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not ready to break out yet. <laughs> okay. What does an endocrinologist do?
2: So they are doctors specializing in hormones. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But hormone, all of your hormones.
1: I don't think I ever knew that. Did you know that? Know no, I, no, I didn't know that. I hear I've heard of an endocrinologist. Yeah, like, yeah. A thousand times. I thought it had something
2: to do with the liver, actually.
1: Mm. Yeah, but, I uh, yeah. I figured it was like. Yeah, I didn't know it had anything to do with hormones. So many like,
2: patients who go to endocrinologists are, um, a lot of diabetics. Mm. Um, patients that um, are hormone thyroid hormones. Yeah. Um, okay. Are off. Um, Lactantly, our body works with so many hormones, and so, including like all the adrenal hormones and steroids,
1: all of that is
2: included. Mm
1: -hmm. So, if I were to go on an HR like a HRT treatment, Mm -hmm. um, how long would like I don't know? Is there a typical amount of time someone would stay on it, or standard amount of time, or is there too much time to be on it and what happens when you come off? Like, do those symptoms, are they just waiting to come right back when you go off? Cause I don't want to go through this twice. Yeah. I'd, I'd rather sure. live through it once. I'm halfway, yeah. well, maybe I'm halfway. I don't know. Maybe I'm 20 years away from being done, but mm-hmm. I, like, I would want to go on it. If I thought when I came off of it, the worst was over. Right.
2: So, um, what I always tell patients is that, uh, we, all. Always want to use the lowest effective dose for the shortest time possible, and so we want to reevaluate every six months. Yeah. and because of the risk factors of mm-hmm. HRT, we never want to take it lightly and just be like, "Oh, come back to me when you feel like coming off." You know, mm-hmm. we want to really readdress this every six months to a year. Yeah and so if you've evaluated a patient and you've come to the conclusion that you think they're like sort of stabilized for lack of a better term mm-hmm. you just start weaning them off do you take them off completely how does that work so um, when we've kind of discussed often you know i would say like the five-year mark is kind of the really the the target um time frame um that we say okay let's Let's discuss this and mm-hmm. where we want to go from here and talk about meaning. Now, as you touched on, if you are taking HRT and you go off, you, your symptoms are going to come flying back abruptly, just like when you had surgery. Yeah, okay. And you had your ovaries removed. So, we want to try and avoid that um, and almost mimic what is happening. In menopause where it's more of a slower mm-hmm. progression downwards versus so abrupt so depending on what the patient's dosage is if they're already on the lowest dose available then they usually get them to start doing every other day okay and then every two days mm-hmm. every three days. so really take it slow
1: it is in this titrated down So, even if you take it slow, um, can you Mm -hmm. expect that your symptoms will come back, kind of like, Mm -hmm. are you just going to be, is HRT a holiday, kind of? Yes. But it'll it'll come back. Well,
2: you know, it doesn't necessarily come back with full force, like it was before, and that's kind of the hope that when you get off, that when you titrate down, that you're not in the same place you were before you started. Okay. Um, But... As I tell patients, we have to go through this at some point. We have to get your body used to it at some
1: point. You're you're just pushing off the inevitable, right? (laughs) Yeah. It should
2: eventually balance out. Like, Can we safely Mm -hmm. tell our listeners that whether you're someone who has naturally gone into menopause and maybe aren't experiencing severe symptoms to someone who really is struggling, that eventually at some point in our lives, it will balance out and it won't be this struggle or is this like a lifelong thing for women to struggle with or is it like a per case basis? It's totally your per case basis. Like there's some people who plot through menopause without any concerns yes. and you know, they might feel a little off, they might feel a little different but nowhere near needing any medication or you know, feeling like they even need to go to their doctor to talk mm-hmm. about it mm-hmm. um, and then as we're touching on with this podcast, there are some women that are miserable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's very different from person to person. The same thing happens with the meaning process. It's it's variable from person to person. And I do have patients that are 72 and still on, on the wow, replacement dairy. really? Even though I don't recommend it. Yeah. You know, that is yeah. – your risk factors are – much more elevated than you know when you're younger mm-hmm. but um you know if they are willing to take that risk because every time they've tried to lean off they just feel miserable and yeah. it's worth it to them so yeah i, I do want to touch on before we wrap here like a couple of the benefits and i and i've listed some that i've read and i know we've talked about when we had melissa finney Finian on mm-hmm. about um some of the benefits in terms of muscle function Um, because a lot of women tend to lose, they lose muscle mass, they lose their balance, that sort of thing when they're going through menopause. Does HRT help with that? You know, I don't, I have not read any studies that have really proven that or touch mm-hmm. on that, it doesn't mean that those studies don't exist, but I have not mm-hmm. okay. There's no specific thing. no. Like there's definitely um, you know, the osteoporosis yeah. benefits, um yeah. and the like Alzheimer's um disease slowing progression kind of benefits, um, and cardiovascular disease benefits, uh, those are well studied. But, and those are saying, like, I have a note here, too, that, like, it might help reduce the risk of heart failure or heart attacks mm-hmm. with women going through menopause. Is, is that well, right? Because it kind of, like, counterintuitive when we talk it about the blood clots and the yeah. Like, stroke. And that's, but then, yeah, that's where it's, it's very controversial and it's very complicated. Yeah. And, but what they have really demonstrated in the studies is that, um, that it's not you don't want to use it just for cardiovascular protection. So right. it's not indicated for that use. So if you have okay. a patient that is at high risk for cardiovascular disease, you don't use it as a medication to right. prevent okay. that. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about like skin aging and that sort of thing? Like collagen production? Right? Help um, with that? Is that something that's proven? Not that I know that it's proven, but you know, if you think about it physiologically, it makes, yes. Sense. makes sense. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah.
1: It's like, I, th- I bet you a lot of women would consider, myself included, like I think of the anxiety and my short fuse. That's like a big thing in my house. Yes. For all of us. Um, but I was saying to Ramona recently, like I had hot flashes, but I never had night sweats. Yeah. And now I am starting to find that I'm getting not – Not not full-scale night sweats, but I'm waking up sweaty, Mm -hmm. and I'm hot. Like, the bed is hot. Okay, and this is a true story. I wouldn't recommend doing this at home, but I bought a dollar store cooling mat for Alex, my dog. Mm -hmm. Um, It's supposed to wake away the heat from his body, and I slept on it the other night. (laughs) (laughs) My back was so hot. Anyway, it's very uncomfortable. I don't know how dogs do it. But we need a product. Did it sleep on the floor? No, I didn't sleep on the floor. I put it on my bed. It's very crinkly. It's like, but it um, didn't really work.
2: But to Jack's point, is it uncommon for someone in menopause who feels like they've rounded the bend of like all the symptoms to suddenly like say three or four years later get whacked over the head with some new symptoms. Is that something you see very often? or? I wouldn't say that I, I see that very often, per se, but I have had patients that have presented a few years out, and never, didn't have symptoms before, and now they're having symptoms, and is that typically caused by, like, other
0: factors, though, like stress, living yeah. through a pandemic, maybe they're not living healthy, I feel like
2: drinking too much wine, what are you talking about, <laughs> I think all of that plays a role. yeah, yeah, okay. okay, absolutely, and, and so that's where, really having a good discussion comes into play and what other things have changed because you also need to take into account medications. There are many medications that can make things worse Mm -hmm. uh, because they have side effects that are very similar to menopausal symptoms. So you have to be careful of that too and Mm -hmm. really go through your medication list and make sure none of those medications are causing the symptoms you're having.
1: Mm-hmm. so if you are like I'm on lot and I'm sure a lot of people well I know through my doctor and other stuff I've read a lot of women are on anti-anxiety and antidepressant mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. um, if you're considering HRT would they ask you to get off like a like a what are they called an, an, an SSRI yes please <laughs> um, like would you have to go off of those to go on to HRT no 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 oh, you do okay. not
2: um, there are Two different medications. However, to touch on that, for the patients that we referred to earlier who are are not good candidates for hormone replacement therapy, uh, using some other medications can be helpful uh, that are non-hormonal. Okay. Um, So paroxetine, um, which is a type of SSRI, has been approved for helping with basal motor symptoms. Oh. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's All actually right. at a, like a lower dose than what the normal prescribed dose is for, as an antidepressant. Um, but, you know, I have had patients that are already, they want to take a higher dose because they have depression issues and, and they find it helps them.
1: Yeah. And there are
2: other medications like clonidine, gabapentin, there are many other I shouldn't say many. There are other options available that are non hormonal that can help with the basal symptoms. They're not as good about the dysphoria or the people in the porous and the vaginal dryness. They're not really touching on that, but the basal motor symptoms they can help with.
1: Okay. I have two quick questions. and um, I just can't remember. Maybe I missed this. Did we talk about the difference between bioidentical and? chemical synthetic synthetic mm-hmm. do we no nope. no okay what is the like what is the general difference
2: right so bioidentical is using essentially it's a lot of plant-based mm-hmm. um and it's using um estrogen and progesterone that are more similar to what we produce like from red clover um, uh, or
1: things like like plant like right. That?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And um, versus, you know, something that
1: is made in the lab.
2: that right. is
1: Pharmaceutical. Right. right. Okay. Is there like um, someone who should have one over the other or a, 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 like a situation mm-hmm. where you would recommend one over the other? Or? So that's a very big
2: topic. Okay. Um, But in general, as a physician, I really only recommend the FDA approved medications which are the symptoms. Ones. Okay. The problem with the bioidentical ones, it's very hard to target their potency, their safety, their dosage. All of that is is very difficult to actually measure, mm-hmm. um, because it's coming from a natural source. So you don't really know how much there is in everything, and. Um, so you have to be very careful about it because you could be giving someone a higher dose than what you're actually thinking you're giving them. You could mm-hmm. be giving them a lower dose. Yeah. Um, and, um, and there are a lot of things that actually are not very, what we call bioavailable. Um, and that term means that your body actually doesn't absorb that form very right. well. And so you could be giving, you know, there's been stories of patients being given like a progesterone, a, a bioidentical progesterone, and the progesterone is not very mm-hmm. absorbable, and so the patient gets endometrial cancer. Oh, wow. because they haven't had that protection, right? Oh. so they've been getting estrogen with this progesterone that is not very bioavailable, and so they're not. They're yeah. Not okay. Okay, In that course. makes sense. Yeah. Um, so you have to be very cautious with it. Now, there are, you know times when it can be useful if patients who are not good candidates for the synthetic Mm -hmm. forms. um, You know, sometimes using things at a much lower dose um, and compounding it could be an option. Um, But you won't find many
1: physicians that are willing to prescribe that. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I think my last question is who do you talk to? Like, who is the best person to approach about going on HRT? Is it your OB-GYN? Is it your physician, general practitioner? Like, like who should we talk to? I would say your ob
2: although mm-hmm. I think some primary physicians are comfortable with that if they've had enough experience doing it. Okay. Um, so depending on your... Availability to see an OBGYN versus your family physician. Um, even just reaching out and asking your family physician, are you? This is something that you do. Or are you comfortable with this, or should I go and see my OB/GYN? Okay, but also an
1: endocrinologist can also, which you would have to get to through your. Primary. Primary. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so is it OB-GYN? So I've been saying OB-GYN for about 30 years. Either no, one like, is fine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. It, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, this has been great. Thank you, Andrea. Um, I think, you know, we really
2: wanted to get on this topic because, like I said earlier, we often talk about you know, other options, holistic therapies and that sort of thing for our audience. But sometimes that just isn't the right choice for people and we want to make sure that our listeners understand that there are different choices for everybody Mm -hmm. and one might be good for me and not good for you Correct. and so we want to make sure that they understand all of their options and hrt is one of those hot topics where Mm -hmm. there's a lot of opinions about it so we wanted to make sure that we were bringing Right information to our listeners so they can make an educated decision. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thank you.